What Comes Next and How to Like It by celebrated memoirist Abigail Thomas is a meditation on aging, friendships, parenting, and grandparenting. It's a book that, in my opinion, is not served well by its blurb, which tends to focus on one scandalous event in Thomas's life. But this book is so much more than the one scandalous story. Hello, and welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and joining me today is Lisbeth Meredith, a memoirist with her own harrowing tale to tell. Lisbeth and I talk about the tricks of writing memoir, how to draw the line about what to tell and what to hold back, and why what comes next and how to like it is the best book ever. Hi, Lisbeth. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Hi, Julie. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for this. We have so much to cover. Holy moly, this book gives us a lot to talk about. (laughs) But you have written a memoir, and I am fascinated by memoirs, and I am specifically fascinated by people who write them. And I would like to ask you, as a writer, as a memoir writer, How do you know what to share and what to protect? What's the line? I think that is such a good question. And I think we have to get it wrong before we get it right. So I read this book and you're right. There are moments in it where I I inwardly cringed sometimes because I thought, I wonder what the aftermath was like. I wrote a memoir myself where I shared way too much of my own daughter's stories initially. And it wasn't until the final draft that I realized, oh, yes, this impacted my memoir. This impacted the arc of my story. But I'm oversharing here. They're grown people. They're humans. They have a right to tell their own story. So I needed to dial that back in the final draft. And I think I narrowly dodged that bullet. It's a very tricky thing when you're writing memoir. And some people believe, you know, the old Anne Lamott phrase that, oh, hey, if, you know, if you wanted people to write nice things about you, you should have treated them better. And I'm terribly botching her phrase, but I totally don't believe that myself. I think you have to, you need to be careful. And so it's, it's difficult as a memoirist. I think every single person, unless they're a sociopath has, has that question that they have. And I think writing the first draft out, you write whatever comes to mind, but at some point, you do need to figure out if you want to have relationships in this world, does this injure people that you care about? Does it further your story? What's your motive for writing it? Are you getting back at someone? And if you're getting back at them, is that a motive that you can live with as you're writing your book? So, you know, everyone feels differently. That's just how I feel about writing memoir. It's it's very difficult situation to figure out, am I sharing too much about someone else? Would they be comfortable? Would they not be comfortable? Of course, I'm probably going to need to ask them to look that over. Even if you're writing fiction, though, and I've done that, but some of that was based on real life, reaching out to the person, let's say, whose character you based the fiction on and saying, hey, you know, You don't have to do that, but I think it can be a good idea. But again, that's really dicey because in memoir, you're telling your take on this part of your life. That doesn't mean that somebody else has that same lens. 
Was it a situation where someone stepped in or your daughters stepped in and said, I don't want this out there? Or it was a situation where you looked at it objectively in the last draft and went, oh, nope. I, that's a very good question. I am a big fan of reading memoir. In fact, I love this memoir. Uh, You know, I love the reading, the writing of Abigail Thomas, but somebody I knew who I will leave unnamed for the podcast, but somebody I knew at the same time that I was writing my memoir was also writing hers. And I knew her family very, very, very well. And I knew her all her growing up years. And although it wasn't a memoir about abuse, it was extraordinarily unflattering to her family. And that helped me really, you know, it it injured my soul a little bit on their behalf. And she absolutely has the right to tell her story and to be a fabulous writer that she is. But it really made me redouble and think, am I going overboard? Am I telling too much of someone else's story. And it was the final chapter where I was giving uh, my readers an update on how my grown daughters are after experiencing trauma that was fairly significant. And I thought, well, this is just too much, you know, this, this is theirs to tell. And I even end up with my memoir saying, you know, my daughters may one day share their stories, but this is what I want them to know about mine. And so, you know, they have the right to have their own lens and and it's not about being untrue or true, it's perspective and they have a right to share their story, but they have a right to privacy if they chose not to. And so just kind of keeping that balance again, that depends on how you feel about if I was a crime victim and I felt like, you know what, I am going to share my story and I don't care what this person's family thinks, the offender or what the offender thinks later, even if they feel like they've changed, so be it. I mean, I totally respect that. But if we're talking family relationships and about your readers and what your motives are, that for me helped. Uh, It was my compass. Will you tell my listeners about your book and about the writing that you do? Sure. So my memoir came out at the end of 2016. It's a book about my two-year journey to find my kidnapped daughters who were taken four years after I left their father. And so they were taken out of country against court order because I dared to leave. And because I dared to leave and I never looked back, I didn't say, oh, you know, maybe I should go back to him. Maybe this was, I did get stronger. And what I didn't realize was the stronger I got the unintended consequence was that he became more and more volatile. And I think this happens a lot in domestic violence situations where a lot of people from the outside look at the relationship and say, well, all she needs to do is leave. Why is she not leaving? Not realizing that that really isn't the end of the problem. That may be the beginning of a whole bunch of new ones or the end of her life. We know that more people are killed just after leaving a volatile relationship than staying in it. So that's, book was about my two-year struggle, but it wasn't just that. It it reflected on my own childhood as a kidnapped child, a parental kidnapping. It reflected on so many amazing opportunities to get support that I hoped that I would never need again, but you know that I reached out and there were hands that grabbed my hand when I was vulnerable and alone. And those hands extended from the state of Alaska where I lived all the way to Greece. And there were people across the globe that literally helped who had nothing to gain. 
And so it was pretty amazing. And, and it is largely a tribute to the human spirit. There were amazing people. And so, and I wouldn't have wished that on anyone. And my kids certainly live to this day with some of the aftermath. However, there were some beautiful things that happened. And so that was what my memoir was pieces of me rescuing my kidnapped daughters. And it's a movie now on lifetime television called stolen by their father. So it premiered last month. That would be March of 2022. So that's kind of exciting. What's that process like? Were you involved with the filmmaking? I was so fortunate because some of the most kind people ever uh, were a part of the are a part of the original production through Cineflix, and so I was able to. You know, we had a pandemic in the middle of it, so I, you know, Canadians where where some of it was filmed, it was filmed in Greece and it was filmed in Canada, but they they handled COVID restrictions very seriously so that they could keep businesses open, and so because of that, I was not able to go excuse me, and be on set. However, I did enjoy Zoom calls and I got to look over the script and make some suggestions a couple of times and just give, you know, before they even began, they wanted to know what my fears were about having my book made into a movie. What would be the worst case scenario that we should avoid all of that? So I was very, very, very fortunate in that way. I wish I could have met people in person, but I was so delighted. It just, it felt respected and included. And you were happy with the outcome of the film? I am. I am. And, you know, I have some connections from it. Just like the writer's journey, it's about the people you meet along the way. It is certainly not the money. Um, So, (laughs) right? (laughs) There is no limo showing up anymore to get get you to a book gig. But uh, anyway, I really have people that I will keep a connection with for life through that process. And I'm just so grateful. And my kids got to be a part of a documentary that was filmed and shown right afterward. And I so love that they did it. They're women now in their thirties. And so for them to have a place to tell their story was amazing. When I talk to people who read memoirs, what the the answer I get frequently is that they read memoir to feel connected. And you, because of the success of your book and because it was made into a film, you really have had an opportunity to connect <laughs> with people, to, to feel that back at you, which is so interesting because writing is such a solitary experience. It really is. You, yours really became a conversation. It did. It literally did. It's funny because I applied for a writer's grant. It was very tiny. I got it though, a couple thousand dollars when my book was coming out to help offset travel costs to keep a conversation going. So I literally stayed in hostels at the time. This was pre-pandemic, but I would stay in hostels and shared housing and go to different states and universities and have a conversation about this book. But had I not funded it through the grant and through my own resources, it wouldn't have happened. But it was so empowering. And I think that's the thing about writing. I think it's true about writing fiction, but I definitely think it's true about writing nonfiction. When you share your story, other people are, and it enables other people to share their own. And so you hear from, in fact, today I got through regular old fashioned mail, a huge handwritten letter from someone uh, in another state who'd read, who'd watched the movie you never know what this will break loose when you share your story with someone else, but it lets people 
give themselves permission to examine their own experiences. Were you always a memoir or biography reader? Or when when did you start getting interested in that? I loved reading. And I have to say, I came from a really chaotic, if not completely volatile and abusive household. But one thing my mom totally had going for her that I appreciate in, in hindsight is she really respected books. And I remember her letting me buy things like, you know, we, we had very, very little money, but Little House on the Prairie, that whole series, Charlotte's Web, anything by Roald Dahl, you know, some of those early books that I just loved so much and would read over and over and over. And there's something about reading a story because I, as a little kid, started thinking of my life as a story a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it helped me not personalize, helped me get some distance from emotionally some of the things that were going on. And for me, that was a real protective factor. Now it's super dysfunctional in my life today that <laughs> that is not filled with abuse and chaos. Now I still have that remote sort of distant feeling about my life. And that can be a real barrier and not too healthy, but it works during real bad times. <laughs> So do you use it as in your brain? You go, oh, look, Lizbeth is about to have a third piece of cake. <laughs> Lizbeth is going to regret this decision tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I always say the worse the problem, the better the story. And it really has helped me. <laughs> it's really helped me not take it too, too seriously. You know, when my life gets too smooth, it's and I think this is maybe true for a brain. All of our brains are more, we're wired for some drama and chaos. We just are meant to be problem solvers. But for someone who had a life of it, when my life gets too smooth, it's nearly soul crushing. You know, it is like, uh, it's so <laughs> extraordinarily dull. <laughs> wow, that is a take I did not expect. <laughs> So sad, <laughs> but you do it in a, in a tiny way, like rearrange your dining room or something, right? <laughs> what I do, it, you know, it's funny because I did need to break out. I felt a, this low grade depression hitting me in my early forties when my kids were grown, but for me going across the world on a solo budget travel trip, which of course is not possible now, but that really helped me a lot that broke loose a lot of what I needed to feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to survive this experience? Am I, you know, what's going to happen in the shared room? What's going to happen when I try to get cash? Am I going to get lost to where I'm irretrievably, you know, gone? It's a challenge. I think we all need to challenge ourselves and keep moving forward. But if it takes you out of your comfort zone, all the better probably for personal growth. So tell me about your reading life these days. What are your preferred genres? Where do you, where do you hang out in the bookstore? Like right now I'm reading a book and I'm going to get the author's name wrong. It starts with it's Adam, somebody, and it's took, took for two. And for somebody who likes traveling, but really hasn't done any super exciting alone, scary trips in a long time, you know, since 2018 or 19, uh, it's so satisfying because this young man met a woman that he really fancied and they agreed to go to India and they hardly knew each other and they didn't you know, have shared housing or anything like that right away, but they embarked on this trip to India and we're going to race tuk-tuks, you know, and it was terrifying because they were both really bad drivers of regular cars in, in their home countries. And here they were in a foreign country trying to master something and race, no less. 
So I just love that because it transports me like I am traveling. This morning I read some of it and I feel like, oh, I was in India this morning. (laughs) It has been a refuge during this time of where we can't leave our houses. Right. It's been so delightful. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I do love nonfiction, but I also like fiction some too. I like some novels very much. Uh, I think Lianne Moriarty, and I may say her first name wrong, but the Australian author, I, I just think she's so amazing that I nearly get depressed when I listen to, because I often will listen to her books. They're wonderfully narrated. And uh, I think, I don't know how, how do people have that talent? I just don't understand. How do you reach that point? So you heard Abigail Thomas on a podcast interview. Had you ever read anything by her before or had you heard of her? I had not. Um, she has such a rich voice. So I knew that was somebody that if she narrated her own book, I would want to listen to. So with her, as soon as I heard her on the podcast, for one thing that I loved is she's she's not a super young author. So I adored that her career was just getting, her writing career was really just getting started after her, you know, I think after her fifties, if I'm not mistaken, but closer to 70, she was really getting prolific. And so I loved the sound of her voice. The title, I knew that was something I would have to listen to what comes next and how to like it. (laughs) That's the story of all of our lives. I think (laughs) every morning when I get up and I think to myself, should I look at the horoscope just for giggles? And I think, nah, (laughs) be surprised by how awful it can get. How great. <laughs> but I love that title and how to like it. So important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how do you, when you're handing this book off to people, how do you describe it? Because I actually had a funny experience with my best friend with this book yesterday. So, I'm curious when you tell people to read it, what's your summary of this one? It's funny because I don't even think I, I summarize her. And this for me is a personality driven read. And I like that she has another book called Three Dog Life. And there's another one I got in print called Safekeeping. And she has more stuff. But the bottom line is, I think this is a person who has the art of telling her story in a nonlinear fashion. Her chapter, she breaks all the rules. And for me, that's really lovely because there are so many things coming at us. I just had a a manuscript returned to me last week by an editor who, who had was very concerned that my chapters weren't the right length. You know, they need to be more uniform in this and that. It, it's so heartbreaking, the art of writing. I mean, it, it just, it's so like, I wish I didn't like it, but, um, you know, that's okay. But Abigail Thomas, like she could make one chapter, like a paragraph mm-hmm. and the next chapter might have 20 pages and it's not linear. Sometimes it's just a little glimmer of her life. But I taught a little workshop at a mem- I taught a memoir workshop a couple of weeks ago at a spa close by to where I live. And I just used one of her chapters, it was just a tiny half paragraph. And the room just fell silent, you know. And I was trying to encourage people to break the rules and to not feel daunted that they have to each chapter has to be 20 pages and it has to be, and you have to worry about your family and friends that may never read this and that you you know, just get started. This was just a get started on your memoir workshop, but reading her work, it is so impactful, whether it's a 20 page chapter or five lines. And I just love it. Always a little sense of humor, Mm -hmm. not taking herself too seriously. Not the, it's not a life that she says here, aspire to be me. 
it's just, hey guys, you're welcome in to this life and uh, you're invited to be a part and join me, you know, and I just love her descriptions. I was thinking as I was reading it, that, that, that structure that you talk about this, these super short, occasionally super short chapters almost tricks you, doesn't it? Because you kind of, you can glance at this book and think I'm going to fly through that tonight in one night. And you're tempted to really race through this book. And yet every single page I stopped and went, oh my God, that was really good. Or that was really intense in just a couple of lines. She truly is masterful. And I think one of the other things I so adore, she she gives you an inside look as we get older, how life does change. And the things that bring her joy can be so small, but they're very significant. And for instance, pets, as an example, I am a single woman. I have not ever remarried since my marriage folded in my twenties, mid twenties. So it's been more than 30 years. I think of being a single person, never lived with someone or particularly wanted to, but the joy of having a pet jump up on your lap or, you know, the sadness when they pass or how they comfort when we're going through something, it's just fabulous. And so she includes a lot of that. And you know, of course she has grandchildren and so much, so many great things going for her, but uh, I loved it. I just love that. And it's a great listen to again book. You know, I think it's very, very comforting. Well, let's talk about the, the, I think the thing that sort of sells the book, even though it's not what the entire book is about, which is the relationship with her best friend and her daughter. Will you tell my listeners about that aspect of it? So she she has a really, really close friendship with a man that lasted decade after decade after decade. So they both worked in the literary field, had such a camaraderie. I have a friendship like that of someone I've worked with for like three, you know, yeah, almost three decades in human services before I retired in probation work. So just absolutely adore that friendship. But what was maybe the ultimate betrayal for her, and it could have ended very differently, is that as her daughter got older and her daughter was fully grown when this happened, so there was nothing like that happened to an underage girl or something, but her da- one of her daughters um, had an affair with this long-term friendship. And, it, you know, it was, it was messy. Um, they had other entanglements and it was a secret and the author did not find out about this right away, but there had been a palpable shift in her relationship with her child that she didn't understand her child, not being a child, her child being a young woman. So she writes about this. Now this is so much later and what it took to move through that and forgive frankly, and for the relationships to resettle and the awkwardness to mostly end, it was very, very well done. And there's nothing graphic in detail about it whatsoever, but it was just that, like, wow, did not see that coming. Um, this man was like family or is like family. And this thing happened. And in many people's lives, that would have been the end of relationships. Friendships might not have mended, could have ended very differently. So it was a wonderful resolution as it turned out. Did you stop and wonder what would I do? Well, I, you know, having that 
Yeah. I try not to, because I don't think I would have been that nice. <laughs> I would have been very upset. Um, you know, that I just think it's fantastic that she had the objectivity and the removal of emotion. She was more distant. She didn't barrel in with a whole bunch of advice or heavy duty guilt to lay on either of them. It was also fortunate that at the time she had a husband who she could talk to, who helped probably absorb some of that shock a little bit, but you know, I was impressed and I wouldn't like to think of what I would do because I think that that would be really hard. I think that was another neat trick of the book actually, because that was what I expected this entire book to be about. It's much more a meditation on aging. Right. Was, was my feeling about it. And it, so beautifully done. But my reaction before I started reading was, oh, God, if what if my <laughs> best male friend slept with my adult daughter, right. I would murder him. Right. And probably murder her. Maybe. I don't know. Right. It wouldn't be pretty. <clears throat> no. But but then I read this and it and it does make you stop and think. And and I and I turned it over in my head and thought very deeply about what is friendship and what is motherhood and and when do I get an opinion and when do I not get an opinion and when is it none of my business other than to just love the people in my life which she does so incredibly yes and so it is one of those books that I think changes changed me as a reader it it changed my perception of where I belong in other people's lives. Right. I think that is such a good takeaway. And that's something that as a mom of adult children, and this may be a little worse because the kids and I had gone through so much together yes, and we had a lot of trauma and enmeshment, but I have really royally messed that up. And allowed myself to be too involved in decisions that my adult kids made to the point where, thankfully, I mean, they are strong and opinionated. And when they need to let me know that I have (laughs) shifted into their lane, they've had to let me know. But, you know, part of my moving, I mean, I've never told them this, but part of me moving across country was to have less opportunity to constantly step in it. I have a lot of guilt as to what happened in their early years because it was so bad. And it and it was so bad based on a choice that I had made of a parent for that for them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I've had this feeling of I kind of need to make it up to them. Well, you can't. And reading hers, her book, it does help remind you, you know, it's important to stay in your lane. People, when they become young adults, they're going to make their own mistakes. And let them come to you if they are asking for support, but constantly sharing emotion or opinion or disapproval, it's terrible. It's so detrimental. And, you know, nobody teaches this. I once wrote a fun article. It's like one of my favorite little essays, and it was on empty nesting and my ability to insert myself into things that were just none of my business. And so (laughs) I felt like I had so much unexpressed wisdom that nobody was benefiting from. And I noticed that I started offering it to people who really didn't ask. Like one time I told my mechanic, you need to get your haircut. If you're going to be on a commercial, you need to get that haircut. 
And he was not happy. <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry. He's like, uh, it's okay. But the irony is he filmed the commercial with the horrible hair and then he got his hair cut and refilmed it and it was much better. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes we're just right. <laughs> It's important to have a long-term view of, do we need to be right or do we need to be loving and without judgment our family? And that's just an art that I feel like this author had mastered. And I wonder if she would have been able to tell the story at the time it was happening. She told it in, in retrospect. Correct. And I wonder what a different book it would have been. And maybe there are drafts of it that she wrote as it was happening when the emotions would have been very intense, I would think. And she's able to tell it with perspective now. Uh, She tells it with a lot of perspective without judgment. And if there's any judgment whatsoever, in fact, she even explores her feelings at the time, you know, that, that she didn't, you know, how she came away, she kind of breaks it down her thought process, how she came away feeling like, you know, I, I wasn't on the hook for this. It was, you know, I did what I, 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 here's my best friend. Here's my daughter, two people I love. They made decisions and then moved on. Yeah. And I think, I don't know what you think about the way the book is sold, the way the, the blurb is, because I think that does the book a bit of a disservice. Now you said this was your least favorite part of the book. Right. The story of this. I, I thought it was sort of the salacious detail of the book. Right. But it was so much more than that. It wasn't told in a salacious fashion, really, whatsoever. And there we go, because I feel like book descriptions, just as a marketing thing, I didn't read this book description. I was Ah. not at a mortar and brick bookstore buying a book, or that would have just not been my thing. That. I have adult daughters. It's just too much. It's just, it just would not have been something I, that I said to myself, Oh, that sounds interesting. Not at all. You know, that would keep me up at night, but to get to know an author, of course, to hear the title, to hear her voice, to hear her wisdom, I was all in. And again, that's one of the great things about being a reader as opposed to living it or being someone's mother is it's a lot easier to read without judgment when it's someone else's situation. <laughs> But I'm full of plenty of judgment when it comes to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I thought it was marvelous. I, and I'm going to pick up now, I'll tell you a book called Three Dog Life. I would never have picked up in a million years, but it's already on reserve at the library because I love it. Her writing, I immediately know now, right. I'm going to read everything she writes. I so enjoyed it. And again, a title. How could you not like that? (laughs) <laughs> and it it just, you know, I think there's a lot to celebrate for those of us who are not partnered. And there are many things to celebrate if you are. But I, I think we are underrepresented at times of having more than a lonely life. I, and it's certainly I my experience is that sometimes I'm terribly lonely as a single woman living in a town where I don't know, you know, I don't have a whole lot of good friends. Of course, it's kind of delightful also. But it doesn't account for the many times that it's very fulfilling and the, the sources of that fulfillment can come from a lot of different things. So I love that she writes about this stuff. This has been lovely. Will you share with my listeners where they can find you and all the different work you, you do? 
I absolutely will. My, uh, you can find me at lameredith.com, A being my middle initial. That's where I'll have my news and events, sign up for my email list and have my podcast show notes. All, and my books are on there as well. I was in a girl's guide to traveling alone, a fun anthology is what, you know, it references my own book as well. Also, I'm at Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and I'm on social media also, most active on my author Facebook page and a little bit on Instagram, enjoying raccoon videos. I keep meaning to be an author on Instagram, but I keep getting tra- trapped by raccoons running on treadmills. And I'm like, oh, so cute. <laughs> it's, I, like it's been hours just watching raccoons run on a treadmill. <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing. I'm going to look it, it up now. <laughs> they are so awesome. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely great. And I hope you will come back anytime you have a book you want to tell me about. Oh, cause... Julie, I would love to. I'd love to stay in touch. And this has been so enjoyable. Thank you. Bookworms, ever since this conversation, I've been thinking about the role of a memoirist and the lines they walk when telling their own stories. I cannot wait to hear what you think of this book and about other memoirs you've loved. Connect with me over on Instagram at Best Book Ever Podcast. Remember, you can find links to all the books we discussed in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. And if you have a book you want to tell me about, click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. Thank you for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.